Well, today we're going to continue um, our series, kind of looking at what looking at what the church should look like. Um, it's hard being a guest preacher sometimes, and like coming in and talking about the church in a time like this, where you guys are in sort of the midst of figuring out where you're going, and uh, yet. Uh, no matter which way you go, the reality is, is knowing what a church is, a good church should look like is always applicable, right? Um, last week we talked about uh, the beauty of unity in the body of Christ. Uh, today we're going to talk about um, the beauty of diversity in the body of Christ. Um, so... If you would, please, uh, open your Bibles or take out your bulletins and turn to uh, 1 Corinthians. I think the text is printed in the bulletins. Uh, Turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, uh, and just listen as I read. We're going to read verses 12 down through uh, chapter 13, uh, verse 8, right around there. And then we'll we'll unpack it. Don't worry about it. It's not going to be as long as the text. Um, The sermon won't be. Here we go. Uh, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? Where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again... The head can't say to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker or indispensable, um, and on those parts, sorry, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Which are, are which our more presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, 
the miracles and gifts of healing, helping and ministering in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? <coughs> Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clashing cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. As far as the reading of God's word. Um, this is a long passage. Uh, I get it. Um, and it can be scary when a Presbyterian pastor gets up to preach this long of a passage. Number one, how am I going to fit it into three points? Um, I don't know. Uh, it might be four. Hopefully it doesn't take that long. Uh, but as I've meditated on the church, um, not only is unity something that's so very uh, like important, it must be at the core of who we are as a church, um, also, diversity needs to be at the core of who we are as a church. Uh, Paul thinks that so much that he addresses the reality of diversity in almost all of his letters. Um, we read about it in the book of Romans. Um, we read about it all throughout his uh, shorter epistles. And here in 1 Corinthians, he just gets right after it. Uh, we're a unified people that's diverse. Today, what I want to do is I just want to encourage you uh, in, in a couple of really like uh, fundamental ways. We aren't going to spend a lot of time spinning our wheels over like what love is. Um, we aren't going to dive into all of these different giftedness and how it applies to us. Well, I want us to really focus in on, in this passage, because I think it's the point that Paul's trying to make, is God has woven us together through Christ to be a diverse but unified body. God has woven us together through Christ so that we, we would be a diverse yet unified body. Let's go ahead and dive in. First point, Christ has given us each other so we can be formed into his image. You notice what's happening here. The Apostle Paul is talking about how we are the body of Christ. We are the image of Christ. Um, 
for so much of my life, I've spent uh, so much time hating my body, uh, hating the way I was formed, hating the way that I look, hating the way that my mind works. Christ doesn't hate his body. Um, Christ loves his body. Uh, it's always amazing to me um, how much Christ loves his body. Um, how much he loves you. That he would actually seek to make you a part of himself. And then he would take this group of people and he would turn us to the world and say, this is who I am. <laughs> this is my body. If you stop and think about it, um, Christ doesn't wish that we were someone else. <laughs> Isn't that fascinating to you? Like, there's no sense in which uh, Jesus looks down at the church and then he looks at, like, the Mormons and he's like, oh, man, I wish the church was more like the Mormons. Unlike me, when I look at someone else, I'm like, oh, man, I wish I was more like this person. Jesus looks at us and he says, you're one body. You're all members of this body. And this body is mine. Sometimes we feel ineffective. Um, sometimes we despise our gifts. Sometimes we wish we were like someone else. And yet Jesus, in his kindness, says, No, you're a part of my body. Your gifts are valuable and important to me. And in... This diversity of gifts, this diversity of people, I'm going to present myself to the world. And notice what he says. He says this isn't just about our giftedness. This is about other things as well. Look down at your Bibles. Uh, verse 13, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks. Why would that matter? Well, the Jews thought that because of their, their race, they were the chosen people of God. And that was true all up until Jesus came. And then Jesus takes the covenant people of God and he explodes it out to include everyone. Jesus says, we're one body. Whether you're black or you're white, whether you're Asian, whether you're Hispanic, you are a part of one body, the body that I present to the world, multi-ethnic, multicultural. But he doesn't stop there. He says slaves are free, socioeconomically, whether you were a slave a bond slave or someone who was taken into captivity, whether you were a slave or you were a free man, whether you were poor or rich, educated or uneducated, you're a part of the body of Christ and Jesus is pleased to have you as a part of his body. We also see in this passage just the beauty of the diversity of gifts. 
We see that God has equipped us each in our own way so we can serve. He's gifted you to be who you are. Verse 18. I love this. This is one of my favorite things. Um, But as it is, God arranged the members of his body, each one as he chose. It's amazing like uh, to think about that just for a minute. Um, you may think that your gifts are not valuable to the body of Christ, but Jesus has gifted you to be a member, a part of his body. You may be good at accounting, and you may think to yourself, accounting's not listed in the gifts. You may be really good as a project manager. You may be a great mom. You may be a great artist. And you may say, wait a second, where's my place in the church? The reality is God has gifted you as he chose to be a part of his body. This part always gets me... um, this passage it cracks me up and kids i like i really want you to perk up and listen kids because this is actually pretty funny um jesus says uh that if everybody was an eye where would the rest of the body be now think about this kids um i don't know if you've ever seen uh the movie monsters inc have you guys seen that movie yes some of you have okay you know the little green guy, Mike Wazowski, right? And he's a gigantic eyeball. Can you imagine Mike Wazowski without arms or legs just kind of rolling down the street, right? Like a big eyeball. Would he be a body? No, he wouldn't be. You see, that's the amazing thing about the church, kids, is that you may think, oh, it's just the pastor or just the person playing music or the person praying who's important, but, he's, but that's not true. Jesus has given you, kids, and the rest of us to the church so that we would all look like Jesus. So we wouldn't just be a gigantic eyeball or a big nose or a big ear. We would be a part of the body of Christ. You see, you may feel like you're weak. Like you're not worthy of honor. But Christ has united you to himself in such a way that you are indispensable. It means we can't get rid of you. You're needed. You're loved. Second thing. Christ has given us honor so that we would be unified. I often wonder what part of the body of Christ I am. Um, If I'm like one of Christ's beard hairs, or, you know, maybe I'm a toenail or something like that. Too often we look at other parts of the body of Christ and we grow annoyed with them. I know I do that all the time, especially now when people are really easy to be annoyed with because we're kind of just annoyed with everyone. Um, It's really easy to be annoyed with them or cold or indifferent or even flat-out hostile. It's easy to judge other people for not being um, a part of our group. It's easy as a church to do that. It's easy in the church even to do that with other people. 
that one person who comes to church and you're just like, oh, geez, not them again. The Apostle Paul says, the hand can't say to the foot, get off me. Um, You're united together because the unity of Christ and his body is such that it should never be torn apart. the parts of the body that seem less honorable. Those people who just don't fit in. Jesus gives the greater honor to. The parts of the body that we deem less respectable, Jesus gives respect to. You see, we may think that kids or the disabled, people from the LGBTQ plus community, who are trying to follow God, who come to worship with us, we may be tempted to think that they don't have a place in the body of Christ. Those parts that we think are less honorable, Jesus covers and makes more honorable. You see, Jesus doesn't hate his body. Ephesians 5 tells us that nobody hates their own body. (laughs) Um, But we feed it. We nourish it. You see, even though I don't like the way I look, I still eat. I still drink. I still sleep. I still care for myself. I exercise. Jesus feels the same way about his body. He loves. He nourishes. He cares for us. And we're so put together that when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. Uh, Right now, um, in one of my fingers, actually, it's this finger, I have a little pocket of swelling just right underneath one of my tendons, and it's pulling that tendon away from my bone. My whole body suffers because of this dumb finger. I can't sleep at night. Whenever I grab something with this hand, it hurts. Yesterday I was trying to build something and I just bumped up against it and it just shot pain all through me. One part of the body, a little tiny joint, just a little little bit right here. Whole body suffers. This is kind of like when your knee hurts and then it messes up your hip and then your back hurts. And then you have a headache. It's like, what the heck? How did that happen? My knee was just hurting. And the Apostle Paul tells us that when one part of us suffers, the whole body suffers. We're so intricately and intimately tied together. Or at least we should be. Christ has given us honor, has linked us together in such a way that we all desperately need each other. I can remember one time I was leading a Bible study. We were going through this passage. This was a long time ago. There was a guy there. His name was Ramon. Um, He was a cool guy, really neat kid. He was probably 15 at the time, 16. 
And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, is my relationship as a pastor of this church so intimately tied to Ramon that if Ramon isn't doing well, I feel it. It's as if I'm not doing well. Is my relationship with Ramon so intimately tied so that in a healthy way, as Ramon grows in Christ, I grow along with him? Because we're one body. We're members of each other. The Apostle Paul goes on. Third point. He tells us to exercise our diverse gifts in love. Uh, we aren't going to get into this very much, uh, what love is. Um, whenever I say that, I always think of that old song, I want to know what love is. Um, it like literally flashes into my mind every time I, I say that. Uh, here's the reality of it. As we read this gift or this list of the ways love is, we're seeing the person and work of Christ, the one who is patient, who believes all things, who bears all things. We see that. And Paul really lays it out in such a beautiful way. He says, hey, look, you may be a phenomenally gifted person at speaking, but if you can't love people, then you're like noisy gongs, like clanging cymbals. I don't know if you've ever been to a church where there's a drum set, and the drum set is left open after church, and inevitably there's the kid who walks up to the drum kit and just starts wailing away, right? Paul says that if you are a phenomenally gifted communicator and yet you can't love people well, you're like the kid hammering on the cymbals. He says you can be the smartest person in the room. You can be the person who who has all the faith in the world so that you can look at a mountain and just remove it miraculous faith and yet if you can't love people it's nothing it doesn't mean anything it's worthless he says if you're intensely generous even to the point of giving up your body for someone else but you can't love people you gain nothing. You see, our unity and our diversity need to come together in such a manner that love is what marks who we are. This is always fascinating to me, and it and it and it plays itself out so well in our presbytery meetings. You know, the presbytery meetings is like when all the pastors get together and all the elders get together. And then they talk about what's going on in the church. And it's like, you could be the smartest person in the room among all the smart people. But if you're a mean human being, then who cares that you're smart? At the end of the day, you're just a smart jerk. You can be the most gifted preacher in the room and yet if you can't love your brothers you can't love your sisters you can't love people from other races 
you can't love people who are in your community. If you can't love, then who really cares? You see, Jesus gifts each of us to each other. He's equipped each of us to be a part of his body and to exercise that diversity, to exercise our giftedness in love for one another. So, a word of encouragement. Jesus has died to make you a part of himself. He loves you. (laughs) That could be good enough just to stop right there. Jesus, Jesus loves you so much that he wants you to be a representation of himself on earth. <laughs> it's beautiful. Christ is not ashamed to have you as a part of his body. You may only see your weakness. You may only see the ways in which you fail. But God has made you who you are and has gifted you in unique ways to serve his church. Christ is pleased with how his body is arranged. We may think we're a part of the dishonorable parts. God looks at us and he bestows honor on us. On you, brother. On you, sister. Christ has united you to himself and has united us to each other and has given us gifts and those gifts exercised in love make us into the image of Christ. Notice, there's nothing in this passage about unity and diversity about how big your church is. There's nothing in this passage about unity and diversity about how flashy your church is. What reputation, what education, what is in this passage is the body of Christ, unified and diverse, living in love for one another. May God make you into a church that loves one another, that uses your gifts to show the love of Christ to the world around you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you aren't ashamed to have a diverse church. (laughs) People from every tribe, nation, tongue, that's what heaven's going to be like. Um, We thank you that you aren't ashamed to have us in all of our weakness, all of our fragility, um, all of our frailness as a part of your church. You bring us together... You equip us with gifts so that we might love each other and the world around us. And in doing that, we can actually show the world who you are. So God, build that in our hearts. Build that in our lives. We pray for Christ's glory and his sake and the building of his kingdom, not ours. Amen.